Hello and welcome to the Believe in Me podcast with me, Rona Barton. This is the first episode of season one for this podcast and I thought I'd start off right at the beginning by telling you my ME story. Before we jump into my story fully, for those who aren't sure, ME stands for Myalgic Encephalomyelitis. ME is a long-term, fluctuating neurological condition that causes symptoms affecting many body systems. ME affects an estimated 250,000 people in the UK and around 17 million people worldwide. The list of symptoms people can experience is wide and varied and unfortunately they don't seem to fit a set pattern. As I share my story in the coming weeks and months, I'll talk to you about some of the symptoms I lived with and give details about the treatments I tried and break down what worked for me and what didn't. Okay, let's get stuck in. In August 1998, I was working in the hospitality industry. I was having a fabulous time working all the hours sent in a week and then some. I had a clear plan in my head of where I wanted to be and a reasonably set time scale to reach that goal. At the same time, I'd recently left a job where I wasn't 100% happy. In all honesty, I'd been bullied and I'd been bullied and didn't really know how to deal with it. I was only just 21 years old. I was on the cusp of moving out of home and as my grandmother used to say, the world was my lobster. Or at least it should have been. One evening, when coming to the end of my shift, I was sitting in a meeting with some of the senior management of the hotel in which I was working. I joined them in the January, so I was still quite fresh-faced and enthusiastic, and didn't mind setting up the Christmas display for marketing purposes. Yep, you heard that right, this was August, and I was setting up a Christmas display. To be fair, we'd been working on it since June, So by the time August came, I'd resigned myself to the fact that I would just have to hold Christmas in my heart for six months of the year. It was during this meeting that I looked up to see a number of faces staring at me. Apparently I'd fallen off my chair and was lying on the floor. I hadn't noticed. I still felt like I was upright. I didn't know what the strange looks were for. Needless to say, I was looked after by my manager and when it was discovered that I was far too dizzy to drive home, my mum was sent for and dutifully picked me up. I remember thinking at the time, I don't know what the problem is, I don't look ill. A couple of days later, I wasn't feeling any better, and so off I set to my doctor's appointment, looking like I'd had (laughs) more than a glass of two of something strong and using the walls, the fences, even the hedges of various houses and gardens on the route to keep me upright as I walked. After I'd been to the doctor, he diagnosed me with labyrinthitis. I knew what that meant, as mum had had the same thing a few years earlier, but for those of you that aren't sure, labyrinthitis is an inner ear imbalance. It causes severe dizziness and nausea, and it causes you to walk into things and fall off things. You're currently listening to a woman who can fall over while sitting on the ground just because a strong wind blew at her. 
Thankfully, though, that's only ever happened once and I managed to avoid landing on the cat, so it was all good. Even still, I didn't look ill. Three weeks later, there was still no improvement. If anything, I was getting worse. I'd added symptoms that I kept trying to push through and ignore. I sat one evening and made a list of just what felt wrong. Then I forgot to take the list with me the next time I went to the doctor, but had a reasonable bash at remembering what I could when I spoke to him. His response didn't take much thinking. He'd been seeing me a couple of times previously um, due to my dizziness and the labyrinthitis and he'd noted himself that I really wasn't improving and there were small things coming to the forefront each time we spoke. His diagnosis and the one that I would live with for almost 10 years was ME. And you know what? I still didn't look ill. So when you break down the fancy Latin words, myalgic encephalomyelitis means brain and spinal cord inflammation with muscle pain. Now the downside of this name is it only just begins to scratch the surface of what ME sufferers are going through. Some of my symptoms included pain such as aching muscles and joints, nerve pain, headaches, migraines, jumping and twitchy muscles, sleep disturbance, trouble sleeping, difficulty getting to sleep which then led to hallucinations, some of which were quite interesting, brain fog or Teflon head as we used to call it, which included memory problems, speech issues, lack of concentration, the inability to plan or organise my thoughts, Issues with my nervous system, such as poor temperature control and hypersensitivity to light, sound, smells, as well as poor circulation and the ongoing labyrinthitis. Digestive issues, such as food sensitivity and major reactions to any medication stronger than paracetamol, were also included. All in all, if you can imagine having the worst hangover of your life, running a full marathon, and doing those things while suffering from the flu, then you'll begin to get an idea of some of the symptoms I lived with. And you know what? That's the thing. I was living with it. I wasn't giving up. For five months, I managed to push myself to get up, get washed, get dressed each day, even though I wasn't able to do much else and was still extremely dizzy. In January 1999, whilst walking through George Square in Glasgow, having accompanied my mum and my stepdad as they took my older brother to a job interview, I collapsed in a heap. Perfect for a Sunday morning in Glasgow, I hear you call. I'm not talking about lunchtime Sunday. No, no, no. I'm talking about half past nine in the morning when other people are stumbling home from a great night out. There I was in the middle of George Square and I went down like a lead balloon. There's never really been anything elegant about me and that just summed it up nicely. My mum and my brother just stopped and looked. I'm pretty sure they thought I'd fallen over something but the reality and the truth of the matter is my legs just stopped working. Pretty scary. After a few moments of get up, the car's just there or, you know, what are you playing at, Rona? 
We all realised I wasn't going anywhere without some assistance. My big brother, being the fabulous person he is, picked me up, literally put me over his shoulder and with all the grace a big brother can ever muster, threw me into the back seat of the car. That was the start of my time being paralysed, bedbound and wheelchair bound. Now, ME is diagnosed through the elimination of other things. You know, we're looking at things like MS, Addison's disease, anemia, major depressive disorder, panic disorder, disorder with agoraphobia, as well as a few others. So to suddenly throw in some paralysis, it really just added to the mix of potential conditions. Having been poked and prodded in order to have blood taken and tested, MRI scans to be carried out, and the joy of a lumbar puncture to read my spinal fluid levels, it was agreed that the paralysis was just another stage in my ME, albeit a rather scary and life-changing stage. However, other than the wheelchair, I still didn't look ill. As I've mentioned, I spent almost 10 years living with ME and I tried all possible solutions that were put to me. There was nothing I turned down. That included hydrotherapy, speaking with a psychologist, cognitive behavioural therapy, graded exercise, dietary changes, massage, acupuncture, reflexology, the list goes on and on. Very few of these gave me any relief from my symptoms, but it didn't stop me or my family for trying them out. We made appointments, attended them and kept everything cross that the next one was the one that would work. In amongst all of this, however, what I haven't mentioned are the additional things that happen. The things like isolation, losing all except one friend, losing my job, losing out on a house I had hoped to move into, having no social plans whatsoever because I couldn't tolerate light, smell or sound for more than a few minutes at a time. And even if I could, the places I wanted to go weren't wheelchair friendly. My whole world shrank down to my bedroom. My life revolved around whether or not I had the energy to take the next breath. Can you imagine what it's like to be in pain to want comfort from your family and yet not be able to tolerate having another body in the same room as you, to be unable to take even the lightest of cotton fabric against your body because it feels like you're burning from the inside out. This daily struggle went on for years and it didn't just impact me. My mum, my dad, my other mother, My brother were all affected too, as were my grandparents. All of these wonderful, fabulous people had their lives turned upside down just as much as I did. And not one of them complained or made me feel less than I was just because I was unwell. They were, and quite frankly still are, my unsung heroes. From my big brother, who picked me up and threw me in the back of the car to having him strap me onto the back of a tandem he borrowed from a friend in order to let me get out for some air in the only way he knew how, to my grandfather winding me up knowing I couldn't do anything other than report him to my grandma, 
to my mum helping me wash my hair, brush my teeth, get dressed, and my dad and my other mother bringing the dogs out to visit me and letting me into the three-legged race with one of them from my wheelchair. They did everything they could to help see that although my life was different now, it certainly wasn't over and we all hoped it wouldn't be forever. After all, I really didn't look ill. Some of my happiest memories come from my time with Emmy and I do my best to continue living with the lessons I learned during those years. So you might be thinking, well, Rona, what finally got you back on your feet? What magic wand was waved to bring you back into the world outside your own bedroom? Well, now, that's something much more unconventional than you're probably thinking. Something that I'm not sure would ever have been suggested if I'd visited every specialist in the world, really, for every chronic condition. It's certainly not something I would recommend or endorse. I had a car crash. Now, I realise that sounds like quite an extreme solution and I'd like to reiterate the fact that this is most definitely not something I recommend. There were two problems with the car crash beyond the obvious. One, it was on day one of a week-long holiday that I was having with my mum and my aunt and we hadn't arrived at our destination. And number two, I ended up with whiplash. The whiplash affected my neck and my back. It meant that I actually had additional pain that limited the amount of time I was able to sit. I could lie flat or be held up in a standing position, but sitting was very painful and, well, quite frankly, there went the use of my wheelchair. My mum and my aunt had to spend some of the week carrying me in and out of our holiday rental home, but by the end of the week... With them on either side of me, I was able to take six very precarious and very unsteady steps as they held me up. I cannot tell you how excited or exhausted I was. I would wear myself out by insisting on having them help me walk over to the sink to brush my teeth and then walk me back to the sofa where I promptly collapsed for the rest of the day. I still had to really pace myself and what I did one day would impact me over the next two days quite badly. That was a pattern that lasted for a while, until my brain finally accepted that I had limited energy supplies and I couldn't dip into my energy overdraft regularly without needing a decent recovery time to pay it back. Slowly though, over time, I managed to go from the wheelchair to elbow crutches. From there I progressed to two walking sticks, then one, and finally nothing. I had regained my freedom. I realise that by telling you this it sounds as though things happened in a nice straight line, kind of like moving from A to B to C, but the reality was quite different. I would say it was more like a ball of wool that a cat had been playing with, all wound up and with some knots and those knots being the setbacks that I faced. Over time, however, I got myself back on track. I started my own business and I earned some money in the hours that I was able to work. And over time again, eventually I went back into gainful employment. 
So that's me and my ME story. The short version, at least. There are a few things I'd like you to take away from this. Number one, 17 million people worldwide live with ME every day. You are not alone. Number two, although you may be having a hard time at the moment, there are people who understand and empathise with you. Number three, I am one of those people and I am not going anywhere. I'm here for you and to share my experiences and my learnings with you. Number four, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of what I've been through. I'm proud of the lessons I've learned along the way including those I didn't learn the first time around. And number five, we never really know what is going on with other people. Not truly. We do not live inside them. We do not feel the same way that they feel. We do not always show others when we need help. So if you're listening to this as a friend, family member or partner of somebody with ME, please keep this in mind as you look at them and think, they don't look ill. Sometimes the face we wear with others is to help us get through the next breath. And that's it folks. Today I've shared a short version of my own ME story with you. I've chatted about how I became ill, some of the impact it had on me and my family and I touched on some of the treatments that I tried and the very random way that I got out of my wheelchair. More will come in the following weeks and months. In the meantime, please like, share and subscribe to Believe in Me with Rona Barton via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. I hope today's a good one for you and I'll be back next week. Bye for now. (laughs) 